have until the count of five. I happen to love the number five. It's a beautiful number, a glorious number. You got to the count of five. This is Got Till Five Wrestling Podcast. I'm Jesse Benz. He's Max Curtin. Max, he's dead! He's dead. Our mascot, our muse, our inspiration. King Kong Bundy has left this world. Take me! The outpouring of support towards us who don't know the man has been weird. (laughs) It's yeah, just because like we've got a lovely little drawing of him in our logo, people think that he's like Daddy Bundy or something, which I suppose he was to someone. Um, Rest in peace, King Kong Bundy, and um, we love you and your family and everyone and all your fans. Very good. Um, I have to admit. Um, I've never actually seen a King Kong Bundy match in my life, despite doing this podcast. That's probably really bad, right? <laughs> yeah, we've got a year and a half of lies. Not really lies. Sorry, I was mid-coffee slurp. Um, not really lies, but like, because I've never claimed to um, know anything about Ted, but, uh, Ted Bundy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know a lot about Ted Bundy. <laughs> I do, I know loads about Ted Bundy, to the point where he's constantly in my psyche and falls out my mouth sometimes. Um King Kong Bundy. Yeah, I've never claimed to know anything about him, but um, it's really cool since he's not cool, he's dead, obviously, but since he's died, um, we've heard loads of cool stories of that. Like, things have come up about what a lovely dude he was. Um, he seemed to keep in touch with, like, fans from the early days he seemed to have a real connection with and sort of would allow them to visit him and stuff. And just seemed like an all-round top dude. We'll miss you, Bundy. Exactly. And in honour of... Uh, I almost said Ted Bundy. In honour of King <laughs> See, Kong it's Bundy... It's, it's infectious. In honour of King Kong Bundy, this week we are doing uh, top five big men of wrestling. Paying homage to, to the big guys who throw the little guys around and, you know, makes the spectacle of wrestling look cool. Um, we're not going to be including King Kong Bundy in our list because that would be a bit of a cheat. So uh, this is an overall homage to the man and uh, we'll also be doing a little sound drop of him later if we have any crossovers. But before we get to that, we've got an interview to play and I've got to ask Jesse how he is because I don't get to talk to him much this week. No, you've got a like day job thing now, which means that we don't um, get to speak in the daytime anymore, which is a real shame because... Um, for listeners who don't know, uh, me and Max's love extends well beyond this podcast, and I think we probably used to speak to each other for an average of five hours a day. Do you reckon? Oh, Online minimum. messenger, minimum. yeah, just just chatting away every day. Uh, whilst I was, I'm supposed to be doing work, and Max was bumming about. But um, now you're in an office and that, so you can't really do that. How's that going? How's it, real life? It's good. I'm uh, doing podcasting for a living, which is mental, which is the whole reason I started this podcast was to get a job like that. And now I'm a big fancy London commuter man who does podcasts and editing shit, which is pretty dope. So you're podcasting for the man? I am podcasting for the man, and uh, I've been podcasting pretty much Not all day. <laughs> oh, God, I wish. Um <laughs> So I've been doing podcasts and scripts all day, and then I've come home, and now I'm podcasting. Hey, but this is your leisure podcast. <laughs> this is where I can relax. That's cool, right? Yeah, this is like the an- anarchist podcast. It's like when um, you'd hear about English soldiers in the war who would um, use their skills to like navigate to whorehouses and stuff. 
<laughs> you're exactly That's right. You're exactly basically right. Basically, what you're doing now. And the problem is, I got this job off In the Paris. back of Got Till Five, basically. So they were like, "Oh, you've got podcast experience," and like I was, you know, doing all riffing of like what I can bring and what I can do and stuff. The problem is, like, because it's quite a professional business environment, people have learned that I do a podcast and they want to listen to it. And some people in the office have listened to it. And people that know this podcast know that Jesse's on it. <laughs> I'm professional! <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wish what I had a sound drop then, just to play all of the horrendous things you've said. You said Ted Bundy <laughs> at the start of the episode, for God's sake. Yeah, that was a mistake. But um, I'm sure they love me. I think I'm quite endearing because I'm in many ways shambolic. Well, they said what a lot of our listeners say, where they're like, oh, I don't really like wrestling, but you two have got a good chemistry and it's fun to listen to. So cheers, everyone. There we go. The happy nice. days. Nice. I'm on tour soon. You are on tour soon. When are you actually leaving? Um, March, Monday, Saturday. Saturday, this Saturday, um, which is March the 9th. And, yeah, I'm not back until um, the 25th, I believe. Um, but it's with a band called the Phil Beer Band. If anyone listening who happens to like wrestling and folk music, and let's face it, there's thousands of you. Literally um, dozens. <laughs> come and look up the Phil Beer Band on, um, and find out where they're playing. Get in touch with me and I'll put you on the door for free. How about that? Oh, look at you, you kind soul. Um, yeah. Is that going to interfere with a, with a Got Till Five? Will I have to get um, a, a co-host? No, we'll we'll manage it. So it's basically it's basically Thursday to Monday every week. So there'll be um, a Tuesday or a Wednesday on the week that we can record. We're all good. We're all good. Panic over, everyone. Panic, Panic over. over. No one. Hey, I'm the fucking Iron Man of this show. Even you've missed one of these, and I have never missed one, and I never will. I was in surgery. I don't give a shit. Yeah, I, I have done them all, and I've <laughs> I've appeared on this more than you, which makes me the star. Which is kind of shocking. Given your track right? record. Exactly. I'm the Shawn Michaels of um, this podcast. I'm pilled up. I'm an absolute mess, but I will turn up. <laughs> and that's why we love you. Uh, <laughs> so we've got an interview coming up with the owners of a new company up in Sheffield called Breed Pro Wrestling. Uh, Mitch Smith. I had a great chat with him. And yeah, he's a really sound dude and I really like the, the company. Jesse hasn't listened to the interview, so uh, he'll just pretend that he has after, after we play it. Cool. Here it is. Here's my interview with Mitch Smith from Breed Pro Wrestling. So joining us now, we have one of the co-owners of a brand new promotion here in the UK called Breed Pro Wrestling. We've got Mitch Smith joining us, and I'd like to welcome Mitch on now. How you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good, friend. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. Thank you for, for coming on and chatting with us. Now, no now, Breed is a brand new promotion here in the UK. You've had your first show on February 10th, and the next show is on the 17th of March. Yep. That's the one. So, for people who don't know what Breed is, obviously it's new to new to the growing British promotion of wrestling. What is Breed Pro Wrestling? Yeah, so basically Breed is just it's like a concept between me and my group of mates, basically. We used to uh, travel the country going to places like Fight Club Pro, and we used to go down to Attack and go to OTT and do a lot of progress. We used to travel all around the country in a car together just watching pro wrestling. And we seemed to be always going out and going to these new places, but when there were never really much going off in Sheffield. So we'd obviously get progress a couple of times a year and Southside come up a couple of times a year, but nothing consistent. Yeah. So we just basically, on the drive zone from the shows, we'd be, we'd be two hours from Wolverhampton and we'd be talking about, oh, what would you do if you'd have your own promotion? Who would you put? What talent would you use? And we'd, the conversation would always go down that route. 
Mm. And then I think it was the middle of last year we were just like, you know what, let's just let's just put a show on and let's see if we can build anything in Sheffield and get something consistent going off. So it's basically me and my mates just having a go at creating something in Sheffield, yeah. saving some petrol money. <laughs> we're sick of travelling to wrestling, let's bring yeah. wrestling to us. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I, in like, sure. I like that logic, I like it. Yeah. So obviously you say that very like, oh yeah, let's, let's start a promotion, but not that easy, I imagine. No, no, there's... It's, it's difficult. Obviously, it's creating a brand name and trying to create something that uh, that's not been done before, which is it's, it's, it's a growing market, but it's also a saturated market. So there's, there's them kind of obstacles to overcome. And then this place, things like your, your venue hire and things like that, which is another obstacle to overcome. Yeah, so, it's weird you kind of say that, like it being an oversaturated because it's like the demand is there. Because whenever I speak to a new promotion starting up, it seems like they do they do good. So, like, yeah. there's loads of promotions popping up and stuff, but the demand is there. So is that kind of where you saw, no one's doing it in Sheffield, let's get yeah. on that? definitely. A lot of the marketing was geared towards Sheffield. Like the, uh, We got the Lord Mayor involved, and we got the, the coat of arms on the championship belt, and I was knocking on businesses' doors and making them have photos with my belt, and just trying to get as much interest in Sheffield and trying to get as much hometown fans involved as possible. I was going to say, I think I saw the picture that kind of is going around everywhere. Was uh, was it uh, the Sheffield uh, football player? Yeah, the God himself, Billy Sharp, had a photo there you with the belt, yeah. <laughs> I see you kind of pushing that image out there. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's good. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of like wrestling in Sheffield. I think I went to an NXT show once there and that's like the only time I've ever travelled to Sheffield for wrestling. Yeah, that's long. That was, a, that was a house show in on like a Wednesday night. I remember that one? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, it's like arena. yeah NXT's kind of first tour when they came to the yeah. UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good show. Good venue as well. Good venue. Yeah, I was maybe gonna, one day. <laughs> <laughs> maybe one day. I was going to say about venues because um, for people who don't know, you could check out. There's two matches up at the moment uh, that are on online. There's uh, Spike and Lucky Kid, and then there's um, Anti Fun Police versus. Who are they facing? Yeah, more than hype. More than hype, that's it. Yeah, anti-fun uh, police-ish with ish. Martina versus yeah. more than hype. <laughs> <laughs> Bit hard to enforce the anti-fun police with Martina about. <laughs> uh, um, so that venue is really cool. I've never really seen that before. It's kind of yeah. a theatre venue, right? Yeah. So basically, the my, my original idea was to have like a 200 capacity warehouse. I was thinking like the fixing at the Fight Club Pro, what they know, they their second venue, what they use. Yeah. But I think like a small little warehouse and there's a company in Sheffield called CADS. It's Creative Arts Developmental Society. And they basically take all these uh, like disused warehouses and they turn them into like music venues. Oh, sweet. So I'm like, oh, these laugh. They, they'll definitely have something. So I contacted the guy who runs that company of the charity and they were like, oh, we've got something for wrestling, but uh, it's a bit bigger than a warehouse. And then he showed me around the picture house. But I worked around the corner from there, and I'm like, God, I never thought about using this for a wrestling show. And I look around, I'm like, yeah. So he gave me the price, and I was just like, well, it's a bit more than we anticipated, but it just means that we have to load the card up a bit more and try and really drive home the um, the ticket sales. Yeah, I guess because it gives it a unique kind of look. You've got the you can get the logo plastered up on on the wall there yeah. behind so you've got the branding and then yeah you've got the unique filming aspect as well so it, it's brilliant yeah, are you it's definitely it looks different on camera and um we, we want to be a different our tagline is a different breed of growing our emblem and from the talent we book to the uh, the rooms that we hire we're trying to be as different as possible yeah that's brilliant so is that kind of the venues that you're going to be looking at doing in the future 
those yeah, we'll be, yeah we'll be going back to the pitch house in april there were a few teething problems with the weather because it was a bit quite cold because it's a, it's a hundred year old building with <laughs> no no heating right. so uh we're going to go back in the springtime when the weather's a bit better that but, um, yeah and it shows at the city hall so again it's another unique interesting looking building yeah yeah and i think that always kind of gets people's attention uh a unique looking mm. building versus just the dark around the crowd and there's a ring in the middle so for yeah, me personally yeah. that kind of <laughs> works um <laughs> so you started the process when did you start kind of planning this with your friends like so yeah so i it would definitely uh, the the mm, it definitely started on the drive home from Fight Club at the back end, at the middle of last year. Yeah. And then basically, I, yeah, I think I was the instigator because I went out and bought the website and <laughs> bought and set up the social media and I went to my house. <laughs> oh, are you in? We're doing it. We're doing it. <laughs> yeah, we're doing it now. Yeah. And then uh, that's when I started like I, I contacting the venues. And then once that I got the picture out, that's when I started contacting the talent. And, so you, ring higher. You were just all like in. That. You were just like, screw it, we're doing yeah, it. Yeah. Let's just go for it. Yeah. <laughs> So what warnings would you give? So someone's like, yeah, I'm going to start a promotion as well. What things did you not expect and what warnings would you give to people? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I'd probably... Whew, not not book too far in advance. I think what we'd, we'd, we'd book too, a bit too far in advance. So you, you book your first six shows. No, just book just book one show and then we'll, we'll, let's see where you can go from there. Yeah. That's, defi- that's definitely one thing I learned. We'll be... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're in experienced shows and you're like, oh, I want this, this, and this. And you do a big, massive storyline and things can change, especially from when we started the process. NXT UK landed in a big way. So right. everything changed. <laughs> big things just changed in this, in this industry very quickly. So that's definitely one thing. Just don't put too far in advance. Yeah, I guess that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah. And then just, um, just, just book good people. But good people, it's like it's hard. It's hard when you're not you're not really being that side of the curtain before to uh, know who to book. But yeah, I think on the on the day we had a, we had a really good bunch of uh, people in the locker room and that just stemmed a positive atmosphere and, and things went things went so smoother. Yeah, because I was going to say when it comes to to show days and stuff, because I help out at a lot of promotions in in Bram and stuff, and uh, there's just stuff that kind of happens on show days and there that you can't expect. So. Was there any kind of yeah. like moment of panic or like, or, or were you lucky and you just had smooth sailing? Uh, we uh, we got there at ten o'clock and the the big thing for booking that venue was was the cinema screen. We're like, oh, I've got a cinema screen, so we got there at ten in the morning and the uh, projector didn't work. So mm. the guys who run the venue was like, we've got a projector, but it's coming at half two. So my sound guy who's never really done sound before was like, I've got half an hour to learn how to do a projector. So we were going to put if it clips on no during the show. Yeah. But it, it was just too late to organise that, so it just had, we just had the one emblem on all the way through. Like, that was one thing that went wrong. But apart from that, it was pretty pretty smooth going this, this year. Dear. It was nice. The, uh, the sleepless nights leading up to it, thinking what can possibly go wrong. <laughs> Nothing really went wrong. Yeah, you prepared for every eventuality in your head. <laughs> oh, in my head, yeah. yeah. In my head. <laughs> I think that's the best way to do it. So, um, also, we mentioned about the bout uh, previously, and it is a beautiful bout, by the way. Like, oh, yeah. was that kind of like something in your mind? You're like, I need a bout from the get go, and it needs to be defended on the first show because I know a lot of companies they'll either be like, I need a bout straight away, and they'll just get whatever they can get their hands on, or they'll wait for a little while and then like build up to it. But you just went straight with the off. Here's a good looking bout, yeah. and I think that got everyone's eyes on the promotion. Yeah, he's um my my co-promoter Mark Mark Newton. 
he was the one who came up with having the, the coat of arms on the belt. And he's like, we need the Sheffield coat of arms on the belt. And I'm like, that's a great idea. So he, he came up with that um, that part. And he's, he's a bit of a belt geek anyway. If you go to his house, he's got every single WWE belt oh, yeah. that's ever existed. <laughs> he's, he's one of these types. So uh, he's a, he's a, he loves his belts. And then we contacted a couple of belt manufacturers in the UK. And the, the prices were probably worth it but it was a bit out of our price range hmm. so uh, I, con- I contacted someone called Liam Morley who wrestles under the name of Jack Cave uh, he wrestles with Hope mainly but a couple of others yeah. and uh, I was asked him because he, he got the Hope belt which which looks amazing if you ever see the Hope belt it says yeah. Hope in clapper letters I'm like who, who did that belt and then he told me it was someone called Saad Magal from Pakistan yeah. and he gave me his details so I, I, he quoted me something which was like 80% cheaper than what we quoted over here and wow yeah, <laughs> it was a lot cheaper, and he's, he's done a magnificent job with it. Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful mm. belt, so uh, nice. Yes, S- SM belts on social media if anyone wants to chase up. <laughs> good, a, good, a good quality belt at a good price. <laughs> and um, so the main event, obviously, having uh, spoilers for anyone, but uh, TK coming out on top as uh, yeah. as champion, was, was that kind of, you mentioned previously about building storylines in your head, was having ETM and stuff, like, just make sense to you? Yeah, that was... That was back when I first started watching the E-Tim, when, when E-Tim first started getting, coming out a bit, and it was all like a bit of a goofy channel. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I could tell you. I, I, thought, I felt like there was a story there where you could turn it on his head, yeah, definitely. Like there were some sinister motives to escape the mid-card. Obviously, between when the channel first started to now, they've, they've rose in popularity. They're not really mid-carders now. <laughs> the, the story would have been a lot more interesting back in November when, when they've come up with it. <laughs> well, I think that's the thing now, isn't it? You know, Spike's one of yeah. the, the biggest draws. Mambo won yeah. the uh, Riptide Championship, and now he's uh, TK's got the uh, Bree Championship. It's kind of a case yeah. of, you guys aren't really mid-card anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So it's, it's, it's all fell into place, but yeah, that, that was def- definitely the idea of having a, like, a sinister motive to them not wanting to be part of the mid-card. Yeah, and I was watching a video of um, when they were doing the promos and stuff, and the crowd was just laying into them. So this- oh, they got so much heat. Yeah. It was a, I think it was a mixture between the Mayor of Sheffield being in Lucky Kid's Corner at the beginning of the night and just making him the ultra baby face. Yeah. And then, oh, yeah. <laughs> Once the turn happened, they got some serious heat. You're great. Well, I was going to mention about that. You have uh, Lord Mayor, Majid Majid, getting involved in the promotion. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. How did that come about? <laughs> Yeah, I just saw him walking through town. And he's he, in Sheffield. He's like he's like, he's like a mini celebrity now. And he walks around all day with his chair and just there's a lovely guy who takes photos of everyone. He must be tiring because he must be he must be working fourteen, fifteen hours a day sorting and helping people out. But he's a great guy. And I just told him about my story about how we, we used to travel around the country watching wrestling and we want to bring something to Sheffield. And we've got this promotion. Would you want to be involved? And he was like straight away, like yeah, yeah. I'll, he, t- he told me that when he moved to the country when he was five, um, The Rock helped him learn how to speak English with his promos and he fell in love with The Rock and then he, he, were, he were all in on it. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> not, not the best kind of... Like, I hear stories about people learning English from uh, from watching yeah. wrestling promotions. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, Kevin Owens has the same. He, he learned uh, yeah. the story about him learning from JR and feeling yeah. like slobber was just a term that people use. <laughs> so I got this idea yeah. of Majid walking around calling people candy asses, feeling like that's normal. <laughs> that's normal, yeah. <laughs> and he even got involved. He uh, he grabbed the, the champagne from Spike, did a little bit of spit yeah. in there. So he was yeah, yeah. proper involved with it. <laughs> oh, he, he, if, if we'd have let him, he'd have gone in the ring and wrestled. Dude's in pretty good shape. I think he's got oh, a character yes. there. I think you could uh, <laughs> maybe make the transition for him. 
yeah, he, he told me that he, he's called Magic Majid because we, before he was a politician, he used to do MMA fighting. Yeah. And he was the submission magician. Nice. <laughs> so he's like, I can get in the ring and I can fight. <laughs> but I think he was thinking real fighting. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, know. <laughs> no. I don't want to make headlines for the wrong no, reasons. Mitch, book it. You got to. You owe it. You owe it to everyone. <laughs> So one thing that I'm kind of thinking, so I always like doing these promotion interviews, but one yep. thing I've never asked is, so if talent was not an issue, money, logistics, they they just not an option, as a fan, what's the most insane, insane shit you would book for Breed? <sighs> go back to when you're traveling in the car. What, uh, let's yeah. go mental for a second. Right. I would book... <sighs> I'd get Darby Allen in over from America. I'd fly Darby Allen in. Nice. I love Darby Allen, and I would give him. No, I want to. I want to. I want to. Now, now, ETM have healed out on the company. I want to sort ETM out. So I'd do Darby Allen versus Spike Trevor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Feeling that. <laughs> yeah, I'll get them to have a death match, and then I need uh, Mambo. Who can I get for Mambo? I would get. Ooh. I'd, I'd get Zack Sabre Jr. over. Let Zack Sabre Jr. That's, come over and just... That's a good show. Just I never thought about tap, him, yeah. Tap him out. Yeah, yeah. I never thought about Mambo Sabre. Yeah. yeah, they had a, I think they had a good match in progress and in Super Strong Style. Yeah. But yeah, we'd, we'd, we'd re- revisit that. Okay. And, that, and, yeah. and then T.K. Cooper, if I want some... I couldn't have anybody to take the belt off T.K. Cooper in the world. Yeah. Um, Undertaker <laughs> in a casket match. <laughs> T.K. Cooper versus Undertaker in a casket match. Nice. I think he'd be up for that, in all honesty. Mm. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I like that. Okay, so you've got... I'll give you six months to get that booked. Yeah, <laughs> I'll do it. I'm going to take him out be a free agent soon, so it could happen. Yeah, there you go. So to put some lot, let's put some lottery numbers on. Yeah, I saw the, the rumours mm. online about how much he, he charges for an appearance, so uh, yeah. <laughs> you might have to hike the ticket prices up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so, another thing we do when we're... we're doing this stuff is we spring a top five on people now what's your kind of background of, of wrestling so like where did it all kind of start for you that got you kind of interested in it yeah so i was about i was very young probably three four five year old around that age group, but we used to go to my granddad's every um every saturday afternoon yeah and he always wanted he, he, my granddad he, he loved world of sport that was that was bag and he used to like make me want Try and watch World of Sport, but I were, at that age, you're not really into that kind of wrestling. I'm 31, so it, was a bit, it had been gone like 10 years, but we had loads of videos of World of Sport. Yeah. And then he had, he had one WWF video, and uh, it was the video where it was a video of the British Bulldogs where they used to come out with a bulldog. Ah, okay. So he showed me that once, and it was a bulldog that got me hooked on it. Like, oh, there's a dog in a wrestling room, <laughs> and that's, that's the video. So I was just asking for the dog wrestling video. But then on that video, there were also the Hearts, and there were also uh, Shawn Michaels, and there were there were loads of wrestlers on it. And I just was always loved that video. But I think I went. I, I, I never really watched much WCW. No, it was me in the WWF, and yeah, and uh, he was always. I started off as a uh, Bulldog, then I went on to Bret Hart. He was my favorite, and then Shawn Michaels, and then it was Stone Cold. Yeah, I always liked the top baby face. <laughs> oh, definitely a baby face wrestler. Um... Yeah, yeah. So was it kind of like singles competitor wrestling or tag team? Because you mentioned you had the Bulldogs there. So like, because for me, tag team wrestling is like my favourite. Um, yeah. So so what what kind of match stars always kept your interest? Yeah, I think yeah, I think it was this, this mainly the singles. Yeah. You know, I was always hooked on well, the Shawn Michaels and the Bret Hart's. 
Okay, okay. So I can guess two then off the bat, but I'm going to... Yeah. <laughs> off the top of your head, top five favorite wrestlers of all time. Go. Yep. So, yeah, so we'll have Shawn Michaels. We'll show Michaels and Bret Hart. I'll give them to her. Um I'm a big Edge fan. I love yes, Edge. me too. I love, I love Edge. It's, it's underrated. Love Edge. Uh, the the only picture like hanging in my house is uh, a picture of when I went and met Edge for like one of those Comic Con things. So like oh, no yeah. family, no partner, or anything like that. Just uh, just me and Edge. <laughs> the only one that deserves <laughs> to go on the wall. <laughs> yeah, framed yeah, okay. and everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> from from his t- from his TLC match to his legendary title of the element. Yeah, uh, I would go with Stone Cold. Stone Cold, anyway. I remember when I was like probably. 14 year old that's when Stone Cold were on his peak and oh, them days coming home on a Friday night and watching Roy's War with Stone Cold and, nice yeah those were good days now I've got one more left you got one more yeah I'll go with I'll go with Punk CM Punk nice. yeah he, uh, I think he revolutionised uh, he, he the, the, the reason the indie guys are rising now is because of Daniel Bryan and CM Punk he, they kind of opened the doors for the landscape now, I feel. So, yeah, we'll go for CM Punk. I can agree with that. I can agree. That's a solid top five. And you nailed it. We always like to kind of, like, spring on people to see how long they take. So yeah. <laughs> I think you're up there. TK Cooper holds the record. We asked him, like, top five cruiserweights, and he just banged it out before before we even <laughs> finished. So I don't think anyone's yeah. beating him. But, uh, yeah, I think we'll place you second on that one. So, oh. <laughs> how are you kind of viewing the, the, the UK scene at the moment for, like, obviously with, like, NXT UK and just all the great talent that, that's going on. So, like, it does it make you even more excited to keep putting out more and more shows yeah. to showcase people? Yeah, it's great. It's, it's um, I've, I've mentioned it a few times. In my opinion, I think if, if you're a 14 year old, 15 year old, 16 year old, when I was 14, 15, 16, and I was watching Stone Cold do what he did on Monday Night Raw. And I, I just thought, oh, that's amazing, but that's nothing I can do. <laughs> There's nothing around in this country that I can do. I can't, I can't be a pro wrestler. <laughs> I'll have to move to America. Yeah, that was always the but logic. The 14, yeah. yeah, the 14, 15, 16-year-olds now can just put a network on and just watch all these wrestlers from Sheffield, from from England, sorry, and from Britain. And it's it seems more attainable now. So the more people that watch the wrestling at that age, I feel the more people look into finding wrestling schools and the more people that try at wrestling schools and the more naturally gifted ones will come through. And I think that's how the scene grows, isn't it? It's, you know, I, think it'll, I think it will grow as a result of this NXT UK as long as it lasts. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Mm. Lovely. Mm. Well, give us some... Tell people where they can, A, check out matches of the promotion, uh, also get tickets for the next show, that's the priority. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, just anything else you'd like to plug with the socials and stuff. Yeah, so we're on Breed Pro Wrestling on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Bebo, on MySpace, <laughs> on every social media you can think Bebo's of. still going, amazing. Uh, <laughs> we're the only ones there. But... <laughs> There'll be that one listener being like, finally, finally I can follow someone. <laughs> yeah, we've, uh, we've got, on YouTube, like I said, we've got the two matches from on, for Spike Trevay versus Lucky Kid with Majid Majid in his corner. And we've got the More Than Hype versus uh, Anti-Fun Blues with Martina. They're on YouTube for free, so go and check them out and share their matches. Uh, we've got breedwrestling.co.uk is our website, and you can get merchandise and tickets on there. And then we've got a show on the Sunday the 17th of March 
it's on Paddy's day, so we've got loads of OTT guys over. So we've got like Angel Cruz over, Raven Creed, Debbie Cattell. We've got Club Tropicana uh, over. Uh, we've also got Ilya Dragunov versus Chris Ridgway in the, the nice. joint main event. And then we've got 2K Cooper versus Lucky Kid in the other main event for the title. And there's plenty going off on that card. That's, that's, that's at the Sheffield City Hall, Sunday 17th of March. A, and I'm really excited that about that. That's a stack card, that Ridgway match. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. That's going to be crazy. awesome. We'll be sh- It's also it's also the, it's also the week after Carrot as well. So oh really? Ilya Dragunov and Lucky Kid have got a good chance at Carrot. Yeah, definitely. Could, could be the first first show in this in the country after they've done something well at Carrot. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, uh, I'll be sharing some of the matches as well on our Twitter, so you guys can check it out and uh, links to to where you can get tickets if you're in the Sheffield area. Because I know we got a lot of you up north, so make sure you go check it out. It seems like a great promotion, and I'd love to come along to a show uh, in the future as well. I'll make the trip up. That sounds like a good shout to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm coming down Riptide in the to the Rumble. Oh so yeah, I'll come and meet nice. You. Yeah, we'll have a beer at Riptide. That sounds good to me, mate. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, yeah, everyone go check out Bree Pro Wrestling. Cheers, man. What do you think, Jazz? What a lovely mass. I wasn't sure about the anti-Semitism, but other than that... You nailed it, right? right. You nailed it, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely, lovely stuff. Uh, We are going to do a top five now. God bless us, everyone. Thank you for checking out last episode, by the way, the short-form um, PlayStation games. You all had very positive things to say about that, so we appreciate it. We'll be doing more of those short-form in the future, because they did well, Jesse. They did well. People loved it. Yeah, people really liked that episode. People have a real um, soft spot for wrestling games, video games, I've realised. Well, did you... I haven't replied to it yet, but the, the message from Steve in the WhatsApp group, where he's actually gone out and bought the new wrestling game, and he hasn't played one in donkey's years yeah yeah right exactly so we've got him on it sadly he's bought a shit game but um but still more power to him yeah exactly so um let's dive into we can't stop the top five until we hear the drop so let's get cracking five four three two one zero are you ready oh hell yeah you fans can stick it brother Tell me he didn't just say that. You know what I'm still angry about? What are you still angry about, Max? When we were on Game Till 5 and you said that their top 5 intro was better than ours. (laughs) That really cut you deep. It really did. Because I was like, ours is. It's got everything. It does. No, ours is good. You Um, just wanted to hurt me, didn't you? Yeah, I enjoyed hurting you. It's malicious from me, really. Um, no, I, I do like ours, but theirs is... I think theirs is just newer to my ears. Do you know what I mean? It excites me. That's true. That's true. Ours is a bit old hat now. Yeah. No, When's their I, next episode? It feels like it's been ages. Um, they just recorded it last night, so that should be dropping on Monday. Top five villains in video games. Have you started talking on a different group, WhatsApp group, without me? Because the um, Till 5 group has gone very quiet the last couple of weeks no we we haven't started a new group without you you paranoid little weirdo i will i will hunt you all down one by one i love that you hate whatsapp but if you're not included in it it upsets you oh yeah that's that is that's not just exclusive to whatsapp that's basically everything in my life that's your lonely child syndrome exactly it's like i i, I won't go to anything but if you don't invite me 
<laughs> so help you, God. Oh, and uh, Jesse uh, might suffer from some PTSD during this episode because he's been playing a war game. For this is what this is the problem when I leave you alone. <laughs> just sink hours into crap, and then you just that becomes your personality. <laughs> I've been playing Vol- Valkyria. I've only ever read it. I don't even know how to say it. Valkyria, I guess. Valkyria. Valkyria Chronicles um, on the Switch. They had a sale, and the game it came out in like 2008, and I've never even heard of it until now. Um, been playing that on the Switch. It's like eight quid at the moment. It's wicked. But yeah, like so, it's one of those games where it's all Japanese and mad, but it's still war. And when your troop people die. <laughs> <laughs> so I want that on a t-shirt it's Japanese on weird and shit but it's war <laughs> um, but yeah when your troop die they fucking die they are gone you're never seeing them again it's not like they're just dead for that level you've made connections to these people you've learned about their families oh god and then they just go they're god like bandy <laughs> Oh, uh, so weird obsessions are the theme of the week. Uh, oh yeah, I wanted to tell you a story. I'll probably edit this out because it only relates to you and me, but I want to tell you anyway. Um, <laughs> okay. So like on the train and stuff, I've got a good like hour and a half commute. So like I've been listening to Loveline. Now, yes. if I do leave, leave this in, for listeners who don't know, Loveline was a show in the late 90s, early 2000s with Adam Kroller and Dr. Drew, and they helped um, the teens of America with their sexual weird problems in life. Okay, so... Yes. I started listening to the System of a Down episode and Adam and some of the, the band members like John and stuff, he was reminiscing about this porno that he used to watch uh, back in his youthful days called Taboo 2. And they started like singing the songs and there was like music to it and this whole beautiful porno. And he, he just kept singing it for weeks, Adam did. And then it started getting in my head and Adam wanted to find it. So I start listening to like three weeks worth of Loveline at this point as he's Got talking to about get this. It on. No choice but to get it on. <laughs> just, that's pretty much the song from Taboo too, and yeah. Um, yeah, he just gets obsessed with it. And then the one of the band members, John from System of a Down, gets a copy of it for him. John Dolomayan. Exactly. And there's this whole episode where he's phoning up John and he's like, "Get me the tape. I need to see it. I need to see it." He even leaves the studio half an hour early to go and pick up this porn tape from John and phones from the car. And Mike's, I got so invested in a 20-year-old radio show <laughs> about a 30-year-old man beating off to porn he watched when he was 18 years old that I just had to keep listening to episodes to find out what happened. Next episode, <laughs> where after he picked up the tape, Andy Dick was on. I've never heard Adam be as calm and serene in his life. <laughs> just like the energy had been taken from him. I listened to the exact same episode like two weeks ago, honestly, and um, I was invested in the exact same way. And um, yeah, I think you will have to edit this out because it's got really like obscure, isn't it? <laughs> but, um, it's um, yeah, and I liked it when he was on the phone driving to get it. And <laughs> Doctor Drew's like, "I hope you're driving safely." And Adam's like, "I got one hand on the phone and the other hand on my dick." <laughs> And there was giddy excitement in his voice. <laughs> it's like I got the wind in my hair. And I played the Andy Dick episode just to hear like what happened. I don't know why I wanted to know what happened, but he just went, "Yep, I watched the tape last night, and that was it." So I feel yeah. like he did some fucked up shit. Oh yeah, that was that was all night. <laughs> Single Adam is the best Adam. Oh, it really is. Uh, beautiful, beautiful show. Back to our show though. We're doing top five. 
<laughs> I think that's like number one segue we've done in a very long time. Um, that's the best segue. So we are doing top five big men in wrestling. And if we have a crossover, we're honoring the big man himself, King Kong Bundy, by playing this little promo ditty. The only man in the history of professional wrestling to demand a five count, Gene. The five count? We were originally called the five count. To demand the five count, Gene. Yeah, we were called the five count, weren't we? You fucked that up royally, mate, with your stupid... That was your fault, I remember that. That was my fault, because we were going to be called Got Till Five from the start, but I listened to a promo from Big E so much... I just called us to five count. <laughs> That's like peak and level it, stupidity. It is. Um, it was, isn't there like, wasn't there something else called the five count? It was like, oh shit, we can't. Yeah, there's a radio show in the States that's like, obviously not as successful as we are now. Losers. But we were like, yeah, let's just rebrand it. Squares. Yeah. There's a podcast I'm a fan of and um, I've actually spoken to the guys. Um, so I suppose I can call them friends. Uh, they, But they're the, an Australian people who do a podcast reviewing simpsons episodes and they um very kindly um found out that there was um, another australian based simpsons podcast so they said great you know let's grow this and they promoted them and said you know this is lovely and then uh, they listened to it and this other show which was shit didn't they were like oh yeah there's this other show um called four finger discount which is just like it's shit we're the only australian podcast and it's like they're so much better and more successful and they were trying to extend like an olive branch to help them out and the shit one just shit on them so that's, i'm not saying the five count did that but we hate you <laughs> it's what they've all done to us the five count did that even bundy did it to us bundy you fat pig i love you <laughs> He's just, he's just speaking out of hurt. He just misses you. <laughs> I do miss you. Don't worry. Oh, fucking hell. We need to. We need to focus up. Okay, so big men in wrestling. Um, this is a weird day yes. for all of us. <laughs> they're going like people are going to tune in for like the breed interview, and then I think they're going to get to the love line wank rant, and then just drop off at that point. Oh god, I can't believe you're going to keep that in. It just makes it. It all make no sense to no one. No one knows what that is. I just. I'll just input that bit of just that show. That will work. Um, so, when we talk about big men in wrestling, obviously we didn't put too many like constraints on this because you know what a big man in wrestling is. It's guys that are over two hundred and seventy pounds. Would you agree? Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. That's a good. Um, that's because it can get controversial. We need you need some sort of rule on it, and I think that's a good one. Yeah, because like you got the roid monkeys in the eighties and stuff, and like technically Hogan was a big guy uh, and. I don't, how much did he weigh? Oh, I'm sure it was over 270. The dude's like six foot six. Like, you you would count him as a big man, I think. Yeah, it's it's difficult though. Cause but, when that's I why, think... but that's why there, that's why there were so many other big men. So, like, Hulk Hogan was the big star of the 80s. Vince loves big men, but he also loves an underdog baby face. So, as a result, you had to find these absolutely ridiculously enormous heels to put him against. Yeah. Well, when I think of big men, I just think of fatties, really. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Lie back and think of fatties. Um, no, I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got some of my list that are not fatties. Yeah, I think my number one is quite trim and lean. I imagine we're going to have the same number one. I hope we do. Oh, interesting. Mm. I don't think we do. Based on that, you going for any crossovers? Uh, yeah, we'll have two. Two, two's your, yeah. two's your bet. Uh, I'm just going two. for the one, one, one crossover. 
Okay. All right, kick us off. Okay, okay. Daddy boy. Oh, I'm kicking off, am I? Yeah. Okay. You're leading this show. It's all you. Yes! Yeah! It's all me, all me, all me. Jesse Betts, Jesse Betts. One more year, one more year. (laughs) Um, I'm going to start with... um, Okay, my number five is Big Daddy Cool himself, Kevin Nash. Ooh, big sexy. Big sexy. So, never has a man made so much money doing so little like <laughs> physically right he's never bumped and, in his life no and i totally commend him for it it's brilliant the guy was hired because he's enormous he's um i think he's billed at seven foot isn't he which yeah, in yeah. wrestling terms probably means he's like six ten in real life yeah. i don't yeah exactly um but and the dude and, and oh side note um kevin nash has very skinny legs and if you ever see them it's um just horrible it's like the ark of the never, covenant yeah exactly it's horrible it just doesn't work like basketball player legs you know um but kevin nash um obviously we all know about um he was a founding member of the nwo he was in the click running the wrestling biz he um had a big part in guaranteed contracts which is obviously an important thing in wrestling today um he politics like a motherfucker and did all this whilst being um like he was the first he was the first roman reigns in many ways in that he was pushed i mean i think roman is going to do well now but the first year few years roman's career he's been pushed and pushed and pushed by vince mcmahon and the fans haven't taken to him it was the same with um diesel in the early to mid 90s they made him wwf champion yeah. tried to turn him into this massive star because he was huge and everyone was like oh it's just another big guy he's got no talent fuck him he went, fuck him. That's what um, he would say. <laughs> and um, Nash then went to WCW and with some obviously helpful booking from Bischoff. But Nash had a big part to sort of get to show his personality, became a huge, huge star. And I completely commend him for it. Whilst never having any standout matches particularly, but always making sure he's involved in important moments of the wrestling business. And I don't think i'd like him as a person if i met him but i completely commend and respect him um for how he's um navigated his career looking out for number one fair play big care yeah those are always your favorites the the wrestlers who do bare minimum work and look out for themselves (laughs) (laughs) i love them oh i I just feel like kevin nash hates wrestling like he never wanted to be in it and he's he's just there and it happened do you ever get that vibe from him uh kind of but he i feel like he's i feel like he's got a passion for the business because like he was given the book at wcw and stuff like that and even though he mainly used that to get himself over it's still like he was he he was passionate about it to that level do you know what i mean it's not like he just turned up and cashed a check he did he did everything in his power to get himself on top. And I feel like you have to have a passion for the business to do that in a weird way. Yeah, that makes sense. And I feel like Kevin Nash is, um, very, as you say, very intelligent because I don't think he would have made two licks of a difference in business if he'd not uh, politicated himself to be in a top position like he was. Exactly. In, w- in WCW especially. I think if he'd stayed at WWF, it would have been terrible. Like, he would he would be a nobody today. Yeah, completely. And, and he kind of was heading that way in WF, which is why the, the outsider jump was so smart. Yeah. And you, you hear interviews, you hear shoot interviews with other wrestlers, and, like, he'd um, take wrestlers aside at WCW, people like Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero, 
and sort of basically say to them, why are you doing so much? Like, you, you really don't have to. And obviously, you sort of... And Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero do these interviews and say, yeah, Kevin Nash said that. Like, fuck it out. Look, look at him now. Look at us now. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, look at them now. <laughs> look right. at Kevin Nash now. Like, I think Kevin Nash was probably onto something there. I still don't get how he got as injured as he did by doing literally fuck all. Oh, God, yeah, well, he was still, like, at a certain point of his career, absolutely doped up on steroids. And if you take a lot of steroids um, and are a big man and do physical stuff, you're going to tear muscles. It's just going to happen. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, big sexy, good shout, good shout. Have you ever watched a movie Magic Mike with him in? Yeah, too right. Oh, I haven't. Have you not? No, I want to. I remember when it came out. And um, why, why did I watch it? I, can't, I think it was just like, it was after, like, long, it went out for a while. It was just on late night telly or something. And I just came across it. Just um, horny and literally alone. Literally and figuratively. And, um, <laughs> just, <laughs> and just enjoyed it deep into the night. Oh, very, very nice. My number five is uh, the man they call Bubba Ray Dudley, Brother Ray, Bubba Ray Dudley, Bubba, Bubba Ray Dudley, Bully Ray, Terman. Lots of names, lots of names. Very interesting choice. Really? Why so? Um, Because, I don't know. No, I like him. He's, I suppose he's got, he's, he's got longevity, hasn't he? And... Um, He's got an established singles career, which I think no one ever predicted for him, you know? Yeah. I always like the way... Because the thing that always stands out with me and big guys is the way they move. Ooh. And I like the way they move. But if I it, like the way Bubba Ray Dudley, um, he, he can float through the air in a way that um, not many other wrestlers can. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. If he like, takes a clothesline or something, it feels like he stays in the air about two seconds longer than is natural. Well, this is what I love about him. He's so... Uh, he's not flexible. He he can literally just move around like he shouldn't. As you say, he just defies gravity. And it's not even like he's a flexible big guy, because it seems like his knees work, but anything above that, that hips to torso, are just kind of stuck. <laughs> and, and I don't really get that. But, you know, with um, doing the bubble bomb and his drop kicks and flying shoulders, top rope splash... Uh, he's absolutely fantastic and obviously I got really into him when I was watching like the TLC matches and stuff and uh, yeah Team 3D was really cool but Bubba Ray was always kind of the standout for me and uh, him powerbombing a 70 year old woman through a table with that death stare just sticks with a guy yeah and Trish, he did it to Tristratus as well and had um, what I can only describe as a possessed cum face on <laughs> and you know it well it was good, yeah, and um, I think I might have talked about that on the show before. That to me is an example of the sort of incel nerd culture that you get with wrestling fans, yes. and it's things like that that they relate to because it's the sort of fat, nerdy-looking dude beating up an attractive woman. Do you know what I mean? And that's that's why these weirdos get attracted to wrestling and it's the same reason that they like watching aggressive porn and things like that uh, but that's a side point that might could be an article i could do for the got to a five website that's That'll another nice. good idea for an article uh, that, <laughs> won't, that won't alienate everyone will it <laughs> <laughs> why uh, wrestling fans are dirty perverted <laughs> sex monsters there's lots of lovely ones out there as well ourselves included but um <laughs> wait to elitist a wrestling fan group <laughs> But no, there are some scumbags. Um, but... <laughs> and you know who you are. <laughs> and you know who you are. Get out! Um, but 
I like um, Bubba Ray's move when he's um, striking people in the face. And then he'll do, um, I don't know if I can describe it, sort of a dance where he rolls his arms in front of him and down and then just grabs his crotch. Do you know the one I mean? I do. He does like a little roly-poly down his body with his arms, grabs his dick yeah, yeah. and then punches him in the face. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. And it was a move on, um, it, I think it was on Smackdown, Here Comes the Pain. Um, if you press down an X with Ray Dudley, he would do that. It's it's a fantastic move. And uh, I wouldn't recommend trying it in an actual fight. No. It doesn't, doesn't um, work. No, it's good for posturing, but yeah. not good for <laughs> winning. Uh, so, and like, you forget how decorated the Dudley boys were, you know, that they weren't how many i've got the facts up here they were 23 major tag team championships and won them across like all brands all recognizable wrestling brands they have held a tag title and uh yeah he's had like 36 championships unbelievable They're brilliant yeah uh, yeah we love the dudleys and bubba was definitely uh i love devon but bubba was the charismatic you know he was the one of the two wasn't he do you yeah, know what i mean yeah definitely and, and and the fact that they can when they did their brief stint back in we it was just like nothing changed yeah well it was cool so bubba had become bully ray and stuff on the indies then he comes back to um we they do a bit of a nostalgia run as the dudleys fuck off devon gets a cushy job as an agent at we bubba goes straight back to being bully, bully ray on the indies and is immediately embraced just back he made an appearance at all in didn't he yeah yeah like it's just uh, what a great career both of them what an amazing career path they're both smart dudes yeah exactly and um the dude's approaching 50 but he's always looked exactly the same to me in in every single match and uh I, yeah I, I i love me a bit of bubba ray Seems like a yeah, dick, yeah, right. but like I, I like him as a person. Yeah, I think he is a dick. Um, I've I've heard that he's a bit of a dick, but I think he just sort of he takes kayfabe quite seriously when talking to fans. I think, and that makes him come across as a dick, especially nowadays when that seems a bit dated and odd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your number four, dear? Number four, number four. Uh, this could be a um, crossover. I'm not sure. Um, my out. number four. I'm sorry? I said let's find out. I was building anticipation, but you ruined it. Oh, good. Yeah, well, we will find out because I'm about to say it, you <laughs> stupid man. Um, so, it is none other than the mayor of Knoxville, the big red machine, Kane. <laughs> the only man in the history of professional wrestling to demand a five-count gene. <laughs> Why am I son of a bitch? Because it's my number one. Your number one is Kane? Yeah. That's a joke. No, it's not. Kane is the greatest big man <laughs> of all time. He's really not. Okay, tell me why Kane is the greatest big man of all time. I'm so glad I've got you back for this. This is fucking King of the Ring 2001. <laughs> Shane McMahon versus Kurt Angle, you son of a bitch. Oh, I didn't wank it away, though, with just a casual mention. That, that... I'll fucking spaff on your face. <laughs> that was a weird, <laughs> that was, a weird threat. <laughs> that, was, that was... You dug that up from somewhere. That was Ted Bundy falling out of your mouth all over again. Kane's been around for like 20 years. He's been in some of the most iconic moments. He's had such cool character changes. Um, there's been all of his stuff with um, Katie Vick. Not like top, what? top you level can't stuff. Bring that up. That's, <laughs> that's why he's number one. No. Katie Vick. That was, that was a joke, Jesse. Calm your beans. Calm your beans. <laughs> you. What are you doing? <laughs> but no, Kane has always been one of the most entertaining big men to watch from like character and all the other stuff he does and 
I've just always enjoyed him. And I thought he was much higher on your list as well. I love Kane. I mean, he's four, my fourth favourite big man of all time. That's pretty high. Four? Yeah. There's hundreds of big men that come behind him. <laughs> Dirty. Leave it, leave it. Leave it. Um, no, I love Kane for all the reasons that you've brought up. Um, but I, I don't think he's ever been... He's always been a very safe worker. And a lot of wrestlers have always talked about what an easy, um, what an easy person he is to work with. But... Um, he doesn't have any particularly standout matches for me. Um, but he, um, yeah, as you say, he's been um, a, a sort of um, constant in the business for a long time. Everyone seems to love him. Um, he's done some interesting characters, some characters that should have killed his career, quite frankly, when you look at fake Diesel and things like that. Yeah. Um, uh, but made it work as Kane and um, has, yeah, changed that character up, kept it relevant whilst um, growing this political career, whilst remaining a constant in wrestling, which I think is incredible. It's weird, right? I thought when, he, when he became mayor, that was it. But no, just going just gonna to pause this meeting on the, the new budget for, for, the, for the kids, <laughs> and I'm going to go uh, pretend I'm a demon from Hellfire and Brimstone. I will say, though, I've never, um, since Kane has had the, the mask that he wears now and the wig, I've kind of tuned out of him. I'm not interested. Oh, of course. Like, the Kane I'm referring to is, you know, Attitude Era Kane, um, the Kane you and me grew up with, even to the point of unmasking and, and the dark storyline uh, where he went all psycho and set JR on fire and shit. That, that's the Kane I'm talking about. Like, anything past that, uh, like Team How No and that stuff, I don't really care about. Right. Um, but, like, I think everyone forgets, like, how pivotal Kane was in the Attitude Era with, like, taken on Stone Cold and Rock, um, King of the Ring. You know, he's, he was headlining multiple pay-per-views and stuff and was, you know, winning titles left, right and centre. Yeah, and between him and The Undertaker, it was like, you know, that sort of feud when we were kids and stuff. Felt like um, It felt like a real-life comic book almost. Like, wrestling's always been kind of um, that sort of stuff. I heard someone the other day describe wrestling as a redneck anime, which I thought, actually, that's brilliant. <laughs> that's exactly It's an accurate it. description, unfortunately. You what? It's an accurate description, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, yeah, but the Kane Undertaker stuff took on this sort of comic book fantasy sort of side of it, which, as a kid, um, nothing else in wrestling was offering that. It was really cool. Yeah, and... Kane in the Royal Rumble, Royal Rumble 2001, was it one? The one Austin won? Basically where Kane went all the way to the end is just yes. one of my favourites. It's so good. Uh, also the whole Kane, Matt Hardy and the Edge stuff, like that's some of my favourite <laughs> stuff as well. I, I feel like just 2001 to 2004 Kane was just gold. He was jacked back then as well oh good god how jacked he was yeah 2001 kane i can't even recognize it as the same person yeah it's insane huge god bless him yeah did you know that stevie ray was uh called kane in wcw um i didn't did you know the undertaker um was originally called kane the undertaker interesting yeah so when they debuted the character on house shows he was billed as kane the undertaker um, and then they thought, no, the Undertaker's better. But that's where they got the name Kane from, to name Kane. Well, that just sounds weird. Like, you're going to Kane the Undertaker. It's weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Strange. Also, um, Kane had a cape for a short period when he... Um, I remember the cape discussion, yeah. debuted. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but that didn't last long. I think there's like maybe one or two pictures from house shows of him with a big cape. Wrestlers don't do well in capes. No, I'm trying to think. Um, the Hurricane made it work. The Hurricane did make it work, yeah. Ultimo Dragon, no. No. Uh, he killed himself at Mania 20. Neville, when he came up to the main roster and they gave him a cape, I went, nope, that's his career. Yeah, yeah you don't want a cape, Neville. Um, he already looks like some weird, like... Um, elvish sort of creature doesn't he without extra stuff like that <laughs> he is a little goblin yeah um who else is that capes anyone of note um no it just i feel like someone any wrestlers that are listening to this can can someone get a cape over just just for yeah. our amusement undertaker must have worn a cape at some point he he wears like drapey but it's like nice it's fitted mm. it works i did What's um, when I think of capes, I think of Count Duckula. <laughs> That's a brilliant, yeah. Well done. I always just. <laughs> <laughs> Are we talking about what, what was the purple one called? Yeah, um, yeah, that's... No, yeah, no, that's who I mean, but that's not Count Duckula. Count Duckula was green and voiced by David Jason. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking of... God, I had a figure of him. Yeah, he's per... White duck, purple, like, bandana, Teenage Mutant Ninja Tur- Turtle-style bandana around his eyes, a fedora, <laughs> and a cape. And it's like, what a weird get-up. But, and a weird purple waistcoat as well. God, what was his name? If anyone knows, tweet it. A duck from our childhood. No, we're not continuing until we find this out. Oh, okay. This, um, <laughs> was it Darkwing Duck? Yes! Darkwing Duck! I've got some... There's a... Um, action figure of him in my cellar right now that I've had since I was a child and he's got a removable cape so whenever I think of capes it's him he had his own yeah TV show he had the works I fucking love that guy I fucking lo- <laughs> I fucking love that guy man <laughs> I, that duck. I really did Darkwood Duck's brilliant he's like the duck version of the Undertaker <laughs> well I can't get you could get a, you could get a pop vinyl of Darkwood Duck right that's a purchase Oh no! What have we done? <laughs> right, sorry. Continue. Yeah. I love Dark. Well, I, I don't know where to go from Dark. I love, Duck I love is the Undertaker. Duckula. I love Count Duckula as well. What I love about Count Duckula, <laughs> we'll move on from ducks in a minute, is uh, he he lived with his aunt who had a brilliant West Country accent. You're all right there, Ducky Poos, and um, she her arm was constantly in a sling. Do you remember this? Did you yeah, watch Count yeah, Duckula? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Either like so it was a chicken, this, yeah. right? So um, yeah, I think so. Which um, brings up some odd family ties. But she's uh, yeah. So her wings in a sling all the time. So which tells me one of two things: either um, <laughs> either her wing was took like years to heal, or every episode of Count Duckula took place within a six-week period. <laughs> Which is just the most <laughs> mental life in the world. Imagine having six weeks of your life when that much shit goes down. I kind of like the idea that it all happens in a six-week period. So I'm looking it <laughs> up. There's 65 episodes of Count Dacula. Right. So, yeah. So 65 adventures in six weeks. That's mental. Uh, that's ten a week. That's two. That, he's got to have, like, two a day in there at some point. <laughs> in, one, in the that's first what... episode, they go to fucking Egypt. <laughs> exactly. Then they go to Spain in the next episode. Yeah, and her wing's still broken. Good God. Jesus. Travelling time, man. I think I think we found our new podcast. Let's sack this shit off and just do a rewatch <laughs> of Count Dacula. I think we might as well. We've just lost all our listeners. <laughs> yeah, this, this episode really is the end. Um, 
<laughs> Moving on from ducks related to wrestlers, my number four is uh, the big man himself. That doesn't really work in this list because they're all big. Is uh, the 400 plus pound Samoan known as Rikishi. Banging nice. it, banging um, it, banging it. Banging it, banging it. Turn it up. Um, I like Rikishi a lot, but um, oddly, um, what has omitted him from my list is Total Divas. Okay, go on. Guy's a prick. Oh, with the whole wedding or whatever it was. Yeah, man. And then and then not long after that, actually, um, I read that he um, basically t- um, turned up at an indie event and refused to do what he was employed to do uh, at that indie event. He didn't even want to, like, sign stuff or anything. He wasn't even doing a match. But then he, like, demanded all the money still and was a real cock about the whole thing. So... I've heard things about Rikishi that make me don't not like him as a person, and also he didn't mention Scotty Too Hotty in his Hall of Fame speech. Oh yeah, I, I definitely get the dick vibe, but he he puts his ass in men's faces. He, he does do that, and you're yeah. right. All is forgive forgiven, Rikishi. <laughs> you got to weigh it up, really. You got to you got to <laughs> see where you're going with that. Uh, if you s- Google search Rikishi, the first uh, thing that comes up is Rikishi dead or alive. Dead or alive? Yeah, they're like is Rikishi dead or alive? That's all people want to know. Oh, nice, because people don't know. Yeah, well, I suppose you look at the size of the man and you think um, he could very well be dead. Yeah, exactly. But if you remember that SmackDown episode where back in the day of SmackDown, they used to just tell really personal stories for no reason. Um, (laughs) Rikishi was in a drive-by shooting and um, that's where that big scar on his abdomen is from. And he did die for three minutes in the emergency room. Is that right? It is right. Well, there you go. You know, when you're that big as well, you've got to have some um, proper... Um, you've got to have some reloading in that drive-by, I think, to sort of do some <laughs> Circle it around again. <laughs> <laughs> but I always found Rikishi entertaining as a kid. You know, stink face was always funny, no matter what. Um, he, yeah, even when... Do you remember when, like, Tori Wilson would, like, mock it with, with Jamie Noble... And he'd be, Jamie Noble like, yeah, Tori, come on, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And then uh, Rikishi would uh, take over. I do, yeah, that was good times. Um, a golden era for many of us. <laughs> um, well, um, what do you think of, side note quickly, uh, what do you think of Tori Wilson going into the Hall of Fame? I was actually about to side note you as well. Um, it's interesting because obviously she was a big part of that era of entertainment. And I know she she's recently defended this on Twitter by being... Uh, what did she say in her quote? It was something like, uh, I understand why people were upset, but I also used to go to the back and talk to the to the producers about how I could make a bra and panties match athletic. Yeah, but it's all very well saying that, but we've seen the matches, love. Exactly. It, it's... I don't know. You've got, like, valets and managers in the Hall of Fame that offer the same kind of service of entertainment as... Uh, as that era did I, I feel like out of all of them Tori was probably the most impactful and had m- the most storied career I'll start to get more livid when people like Layla or Michelle McCool get in, or Candice Michelle get inducted how can Tori Wilson be inducted into the Hall of Fame and not Sable if you're talking about that sort of oh god yeah if you're talking about that that sort of appeal Sable cornered the market for that shit way before Tori and whilst Tori was there. Even to a degree like Terry and all that lot before her. Oh god yeah. God I love Terry. I know you do. She's yeah she's um she seems like a really cool person as well. She's got a podcast. Everyone's got a fucking podcast. Oh, tell me about it. It's driving me mental. I know. 
bitches. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she she worked hard for it. She she's replaced her yeah, body. Yeah, no, I don't I don't begrudge her anything really. No, and and she's managed to replace her body with a twenty two year old in the past couple of years somehow. Yeah, right, yeah. Which which Tories could be inducted? <laughs> <laughs> are we getting old Tory? Are we getting the even better looking one we've got now? Yeah, ridiculous. Ridiculous. But back to Rikishi, who does not look like Tori Wilson. Uh, obviously... You squint hard enough. <laughs> After a couple, anything's game. Uh, obviously, <laughs> quite well known in to the younger fans as being the dad of uh, Jimmy and Jay. Do you find that weird that like someone that we watched as a kid has like very old sons who've been around the wrestling business for so long? It um, freaks me out to think about. It is, yeah, I know what you mean. It is weird. Um, but also, I know that um, Samoans are second only to Catholics in the way that they reproduce. That was very tactically said for you. <laughs> they, um, what was it Nigel McGuinness said when he, he was talking about uh, Jordan Devlin on um, the, I think it was the UK tournament just gone, and he talked about how big Jordan Devlin's family was, saying about how many cousins he's got that are probably all watching and stuff. And then Nigel McGuinness just went, I wonder if his family eat like rabbits too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nigel. that was good. Well done. <laughs> but uh, yeah, obviously everyone, the thing I always talk, that makes me laugh is when you talk to people who were like, Oh yeah, I used to love wrestling because the problem with my new job is like people have found out I like wrestling, so they feel like that's all I want to talk about. Yeah, which is, I mean, this is this podcast gives me my fill of wrestle talk, to be honest, and then I'm done. Right, and it's very sweet that like people are like interested in your stuff, um, but like everyone I always speak to is like, yeah, I remember what was his name, like the guys that used to dance in the ring, the big fat guy with the thong. I was like, oh yeah, Rikishi. And the people just love Too Cool. They're just all about it. Yeah, they have a special place in people's hearts. It's funny these sort of um, acts that get that without um, having achieved a huge amount of success. Like, um, no disrespect to Too Cool, but you know what I mean. They're, they're, they, were, they weren't headlining WrestleMania. No. But, um, like, same with... Um, who else is a good example of like that? Like, there's certain kids who just remember the hurricane like we mentioned him with capes and stuff and it's just like silly gimmicks that people get behind yeah yeah exactly it's mad but rikishi wasn't just like a gimmick guy you know he became intercontinental champion tag team champion he was in the main event scene with like the best of the best uh helena seller armageddon got choke slammed off the top of the cell yeah, into the hay bale thing. Um, yeah, that's an iconic moment. Isn't it? Yeah, like, don't f- forget that era of, um, you know, I did it for the rock. You, you know, <laughs> all of that stuff is, is amazing. So, yeah, Rikishi, always entertaining. And I always enjoyed him, like, early 2000s Smackdown and stuff. Yes, I agree. Good choice. Cheers, Dad. That's all right, son. Um, my, what am I on? Number three, innit? Oh, innit. And at um, my number three, I'm going for um, fairly recently deceased, boohoo, uh, Big Van Dader. Oh, it's Vader time. It's Vader time. Go on, grab your friends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, Vader. Um, Vader um, let himself down with Twitter a bit, as so many of these um, older generational wrestlers do. I and you. Uh, <laughs> no, Iron Sheik's gone from strength to strength. Um, <laughs> But, um, yeah, everyone else. Um, 
tend to. Uh, but Vader, in his day, you know, doing um, athletic, doing moonsaults and stuff, and he really was enormous. Um, I like that Bret Hart was a huge friend and pal of Vader um, and sort of did his best to put him over in Wrestling With Shadows, even though this was an era when... Um, and like WF just completely fucked up Vader, didn't they? They booked him oh, to God, shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was like the talent that you had there, such a shame. Um, but his Japanese matches, just he's he's just he's one of the few. He's the first big man on my list that has put on some great matches that hold up today. Like they're just stunning, um, athletic. Um, the guy joins that elusive group of wrestlers who also dabbled in real estate. Yes, uh, which our is favorite um, category of wrestling. It is, yeah. Um, we'll do a top five on that one day. And... <laughs> It'll be one of our short form episodes. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Vader was the man. He was brilliant, and um, he doesn't get the recognition he deserves. Um, I think partly because of how loud he was on Twitter. Um, he doesn't get the recognition he deserves as a really solid worker and a very talented man. Yeah, completely. As you say, him popping out moonsaults to normally a dead reaction from the crowd, which I never understood, um, was absolutely ingenious. And he could move like no one else. He was entertaining as hell. Uh, WCW was probably my favorite version of Vader, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, I think I even mentioned him in a WCW episode. I can't remember now. I think I did. Um, and yeah, the fact that WF just used them as main event fodder was a shame. Do you know something? WCW, and they started doing this with Vader and then did it with other people. Um, I only found this out recently, and it's quite a cool sort of bit of subliminal um, marketing that they did. So um, whenever a wrestler would leave WCW and go to WWF, like Vader um, and others after him, um, in the Monday Nitro um, opening credits, which would show sort of, you know, play the music and show highlights of Nitro, every clip they would show would be a former WCW, now WWF wrestler, getting beaten up by a WCW wrestler that was currently on their roster. Ah. So, like, so like Vader would leave, Vader would be in WWF, so there'd be a clip in the opening credits of Nitro of Vader getting, I don't know, suplexed by Sting or something like that. And they would do that. They would do that with everyone who left WCW, went to WF, so that kids would watch it and go, oh, look at all the WF guys getting fucked up by WCW guys. By the end of that, by the end of WCW, that must have been a long-ass intro. Yeah, right? Jesus. <laughs> but it's, it's quite a cool idea, isn't it? To sort of... Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, I, I'll always not be impressed by the level of WCW's pettiness. Right. It's, um, it's... Why do you think I relate to them so much? <laughs> yeah, all right, fair point. I understand now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Vader, absolutely fantastic. And um, yeah, carved, carved out a good niche for himself. And I loved that he was determined to die in that ring. His one goal he in really life. He really was. Yeah. Yeah, he tried his best, didn't he? Um, but didn't quite manage it. Can you believe that he had a match with Will Ospreay? That's a thing that actually happened. Yeah, I think that's what he was hoping was going to kill him. Yeah, probably. Keeping up with Osprey. It's... But yeah, like the two worst people on Twitter going yeah, at each right. other. Yeah, brutal. brutal. Just the two the two worst people. <laughs> yeah, let's not sugarcoat it. <laughs> uh, always and forever hate you, Will Osprey. Always and forever. <laughs> <laughs> at number three, my choice is uh, Bam Bam Bigelow. 
Ah, oh, that's a nice choice. Going into the Hall of Fame this year, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and uh, I love Bam Bam. He... Bam Bam! Bam Bam! He always kind of stood out for me. Like, when I was first getting into wrestling, um, obviously seeing ECW and that kind of stuff, seeing a guy with a tattooed head and flame onesie, whatever he was wearing, was just, like, cool. was cool. And he was a big dude. He was, like, close to 400 pounds or something. I get, yeah, he must have been. Look at the, looking at him. <laughs> Look at him. God. <laughs> um, but he had a great run, you know, WCW and ECW obviously winning his first and only championship. And even WF, he, he had a great run. And yeah, just I, I think Bam Bam Bigelow was another guy like uh, Bubba Ray, who I mentioned earlier, could just move in a way that just didn't make sense. Yes. I agree. It's, um, yeah, another gravity to find, dude. And actually, a very similar build to um, Bubba Ray, isn't it? Maybe there's something in that sort of skinny leg, fat torso thing oh. that um, <laughs> allows you to move like that. Yeah, because, like, wow, Bubba Ray's from Queens, he's from New Jersey, so it must be just something in the water. Maybe it could be something there, yeah. Um, Bam Bam Bigelow was in the headline match, and I wish I could remember who he was wrestling, um, of the first ever wrestling show Paul Heyman put on. Ah, that's interesting. Which was at Studio 54. Mm, I like it. I like that. There you go. Uh, yeah, he could pull off cartwheels, top rope splashes, all that kind of stuff. Uh, another little fact is in 2000, he received second-degree burns on 40% of his body because he rescued three children from a burning house near his home in New Jersey. Wow, that's um, ironic. <laughs> It is. I like that you went with ironic out of that story, not heroic, not brave. <laughs> it's ironic. Spent his whole career like wearing flames. And, um, but uh, yeah, no, very good man. Well done, Bam Bam. But if um, the wrestling business teaches you anything, um, doing good things does not reward you. No, no, because obviously um, he was only 45 when he died. I didn't realize he was quite so young. When, yep. when he died um, obviously he did. drugs and heart issue uh, I find it ironic that uh, another ironic thing is that uh, when he died they found cocaine and anti-anxiety drugs in his system and I feel like those two <laughs> just don't really work together really no that's like um, yeah I, I, I didn't even have a metaphor prepared for that that's just bad <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, yeah and another thing he also did was like after wrestling, he did some, like, independent work, but then just kind of fucked off and disappeared. He he moved to Florida, and um, he moved there with Shane Douglas, and they were just, like, clueless as to where he went. Just disappeared. Oh, really? <laughs> Eventually he kind of showed up again, but I just think that's mental. And that is weird. Perry Satin did that for a bit, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Just vanished and everyone got... Eh. Oh, man. Perry Satin tried to get a um, documentary crowdfunded, and uh, I think the crowdfund made about 40 quid or something and it just and it didn't happen so perry's probably not a good perry Saturn is one of the most tragic cases of wrestling uh yeah um one of the most tragic living cases uh but yeah perry um you won't be listening to this because you probably don't have access to um technology but we love you mate yeah, we could probably get him on for like 20 bucks yeah right yeah we'll um, fund half of what you funded for your film. <laughs> oh, we're evil. We're evil. But I, I feel like Bam Bam Bigelow obviously did great in ECW. His name's fun to say, and I wish uh, WF did more with him. Uh, His name is fun to say. <laughs> Bam Bam Bigelow. <laughs> like, obviously he had the million dollar corporation and that kind of stuff, but you could have done more. You could have done better. Yeah. What you got for me then, Daddy? 
okay uh my number two is um now this is someone i know you hate with a passion but you also love him so it is um no um it's brock lesnar Did you like I, that? I kind of want your version playing whenever he comes out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bro Lesnar, man, like, don't fuck with him. He, um, we, we talk about athleticism from Big Van Vader. Obviously, Bro Lesnar's a different type of big man. He's built like a brick shit house as opposed to fat. But you know, you look at his early sort of two thousand and two, two thousand and three run. Obviously, the bot shooting star press, but the sort of thing that in training and house shows he could bust out with no problem whatsoever. That's insane. Um, the strength a man had, yep. uh, just the imposing dominance. And then we jump to today's Brock Lesnar, who he basically fucked off, um, learned, or he already knew how to fight for real, but showed everyone he could fight for real at a very, very top level. And all he had to do is come back to this fake shit, and now everyone's scared of him, and he just comes in, does what he wants, cashes a paycheck, which is bigger than everyone else's who works their tits off, and leaves. So if you talk about Kevin Nash... I was going to say this is the Kevin, Kevin Nash level of booking. Right, yeah, but I'd say this is above it. I reckon Brock Lesnar's on more money than Kevin Nash ever oh, was, and doing yeah, way less work. Yeah, doing way less work, all because he proved that he was fucking amazing. Do you know what I mean? That's all he had to do, and now everyone bows at his feet. And this is the same business that sued him, that tried to like ruin his career when he left WWE the first time round after giving them nothing but. Like, he worked his tits off for WWE through 2002 and 2003, decided it wasn't for him, gave them good notice, left properly, wanted to carry on some sort of career, obviously, who doesn't? And WWE did everything they could to ruin the man's life, and now they fucking suck his dick, and I love Brock for that. Yeah, like, Vince always loved him, and it was like, it, when Vince gets hurt, and, and the, like, why did you leave me? He really takes it personally, like, vindictively so. Yeah, exactly. And so now Vince feel like, feels like he's won because he's got Brock bad, but it's Brock that's won because he does fuck all and he's like just making the most stupid amount of money. Oh, it's insane. I, I never realised that his build weight is 286 pounds. Back in 2003, it was 295 that's pounds. That's just pure muscle. That's terrifying. Yeah. That's yeah. I also didn't realize. Two hundred. Incidentally, we talked about Vice Rampage, my creator wrestler. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, last on the last show, um, I would always set his weight at two hundred and ninety-five pounds because that's the weight Brock Lesnar yeah. was in two thousand. Rolls off the tongue as well. I like it. Uh, I never realized that Brock Lesnar was uh, trained by a lot of people like Dean Malenko and Kurt Henning and stuff, but also Doug Basham had a hand in his training. I had no idea about right? that. Facts. I thought Doug Basham looks green as grass in 2003 when Brock Lesnar's a champion. <laughs> exactly, but apparently he had some kind of hand in training him. Mad. I like that um, Mr. Perfect trained him, and uh, Brock Lesnar is very fond of Kurt Hennig, and um, it's actually Kurt Hennig that gave Brock Lesnar the advice that he's lived by today, which is um, get in to get out, is what Mr. Perfect said to Brock Lesnar, and um, as far as the business goes. And Brock's taken that to heart, and um yeah so we've got mr perfect to thank for wow that. yeah i like that so i'm really um, deep up. into doug basham now he debuted in 93 what yeah. you're no you're... no i'm not shitting you right now like he debuted in uh 93 he worked for like ovw and stuff 
uh, did some WF television. It's, yeah, mental. The dude's in, like, he's near his 50s. And, yeah, he's 47. Born in 1971. Um, hang on, professional wrestling career. Bastion, before we called up to the main roster. Where are you getting 93 uh, from? If you look to the, where it says debut, 1993. Oh, debut. Retired in 2009. Oh, yeah. That's mental. That is mental. He's the same age as, like, Bubba Ray. Started around the same time. Yeah, that's crazy. There's a very funny clip. I think it's from No Mercy 2003. Uh, there's a match on that, which is the Basham Brothers versus APA. Yes. And um, uh, <laughs> um, Doug, Doug or Danny, I can't remember which one, um, basically botches... Um, uh, powerbomb or Farouk lifts what lifts one of them up to powerbomb them and they just fall and just fall completely on their ass it's a massive botch and you, Farouk's just standing there in the middle of the ring hard cam right on him and you just hear him go what the fuck boy come on he's <laughs> <laughs> shouting really loud here <laughs> like, what the fuck you doing oh uh, that was a botchy show that's that's the same show that A Train drops Chris Benoit right on his fucking head from a gorilla press slap oh, do you remember Jesus. that yeah I do remember that yeah, that did some damage. Even even, even Danny Basham, 1998. Sorry, we're going to have to do a whole episode on the Basham brothers. Yeah, what's going on? And then Shaniqua was with them. Oh, with she? the she BDSM was, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that um, had adverse effects on little childhood Jesse, I think. <laughs> yeah. I was, what was the promo where like someone walks into the room and they're just like handcuffed to the ceiling with the ball gags in their mouth? And, you know, <laughs> 13 years old, man. Yeah, yeah, no, it definitely did things. <laughs> I re- I realised recently that um, uh, Beauty and the Beast, um, when Gaston takes off his shoes mm, and puts his feet up on the desk, yeah, I that's had a weird effect on me as really? well. Yeah, Disney did way too much to you as a kid. <laughs> they did nothing to anyone yeah. else. Oh man, no, they did. Um, um, Jasmine as well, when she's um, captured by Jafar and she's wearing that red, um, red costume, and he's eating an apple and talking to her, and a bit of apple gets on her cheek and stuff. Like that's <laughs> you have really specific case. role plays, like <laughs> Tinkerbell getting caught in the in the lock, getting caught in the keyhole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When she gets caught in the keyhole of the drawer near the start of Peter Pan. And she's trying to pull herself out. And you could just see her ass like smashing against it. <laughs> really Is that good. why when I went and visited, you've got that giant lock on your door? <laughs> Max, just hang out around this. Just... <laughs> I thought you were going to mention your own girlfriend, but fine. That, that's, that's another issue for another day. <laughs> Max is pretty scared. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, <laughs> you've taken my number one, so... Now it's time for my number two, which I in turn believe is going to be your number one. Poor, that was like Steiner math all over that. Oh, ready? You ready? <laughs> well, it's the big show. It's the big show. That is my number one. Play the drop. The only man in the history of professional wrestling to demand a five count gene. Hasn't that wrapped up nicely? Ah, we're we're home dry. This Ugh. is like the same length as our short episode. We've talked. I feel like we talked a lot of crap. We've talked this about evening. loads of shit. Yeah, we've segued everywhere. We've done this quickly. I am talking quite quick though. Yeah, we're only an hour in. Fuck it, eh? I'm Mind not... you, that you, we've got an interview. Remember? Oh, so an hour and twenty. Still, that's yeah. Nothing. So you got to drop that interview in. Yeah. Um, of no, that's nice still only time. like an hour and twenty. I ain't cutting any shit out. This is all staying from from 
masturbatory love line to DuckTales. It's all in. Okay, fine. Um, if anyone doesn't know what Loveline is, go and check it out. It's a great, great radio show from the 90s. There is a podcast called Get It On that um, is currently uploading all the old episodes. Exactly. And have you watched, because um, Giovanni also posted the old Loveline TV show up on YouTube. Oh, I didn't know that. I've yeah. never actually watched it. I've seen clips, I think, but I've never watched the whole thing. Yeah, I actually sat and watched the whole thing. Really good show. Nice. I will check it out. Yeah, good stuff. Anyway, Big Show is our favourite big guy. Paul White. Um, I love him, and I particularly, I have to say that um, I particularly love him as the giant in WCW when he was proper green. (laughs) Yeah, he was just, uh, I was watching a table for free where he was talking about like his debut and stuff, and and literally they were just like, yeah, you're big and you can move, we'll we'll hire you and put you on TV tomorrow. Yep, exactly. But he rolled with it, he made the best out of what he could do, Um, he went to WWF. WWF um, sent him to back to OVW um, and all that. And this guy's a former WCW World Heavyweight Champion at this point and is being sent back to the trading ground to learn how to wrestle. And the dude's like, fuck this, I could go and make money anywhere. But he didn't say that. He went there and he did it and he became a acceptable worker. And just, I, I'm full of respect for the guy for being, he seems like a really nice dude. He's a very emotional guy. And um, he also seems like a hard worker and not, he doesn't rest on his laurels and he doesn't seem arrogant at all. Like, case in point, he will go and work hard in OVW, even though he's a former WCW champion, because he wants to do good. Do you know what I mean? He obviously has pride in his work. Yeah. Now, just before we quickly gloss over that uh, winning the title, because of how stupid the storylines were in the build up to that, uh, the Giant was uh, said to be the illegitimate child of Andre the Giant. Yeah. That, that was great. Um, and then he faced off against Hogan in his debut, and um, he was battling on monster trucks on on the roof of. Yes, Cobra that Hall. was Halloween Havoc ninety three. Ninety five. Ninety five. Jesus. Yeah, they, I, I love that. Have you ever actually watched that? Yeah, that that's one trying to recreate for for the listeners because they they threw him off the monster trucks and stuff into the river where like he died, and then came back and won the title. Yep. Fucking weird WCW that was. Yeah, it's so good. It's um, it's worth watching. Um, there's a very good clip of, um, on the Nitro before that, the giant um, running over Hulk Hogan's new motorbike with a monster truck. And the segment ends with Hulk Hogan on foot chasing down the monster truck by <laughs> jumping on it and stuff. It's brilliant. WCW love monster trucks. They went through a yeah. phase. I love monster trucks. Who doesn't love monster trucks? Who doesn't? You're right. I'm sorry. Little cars with massive wheels. You know what first turned me on to monster trucks was Ace Ventura when nature calls. Oh, yes. Yes. That's a good monster truck scene. Yeah. Wow. How many monster truck scenes can you name in movies? Uh, That one. Yep. And um, the one in... um, No. It's the only uh, one in the history of cinema. Yeah, you're right. Oh, no. Oh god! <laughs> now I've just got Jim Carrey in my head bobbing along when he's in it. Yeah. Oh, it makes me happy. Uh, but it yeah, makes me happy. and then yeah, the giant was cool, and then as you say, he joined WF and uh, w- was good as well. But like the giant when he was all yeah, a bit green, but also kind of badass with all the NWO stuff and just just really cool in WCW. 
he'd shout all his promos and he he went through a phase of rhyming a lot yeah, um, yeah. in 94 95 my favorite one is from world war three you know how much i love world war three um world war three 95 um is one of my favorite pay-per-views of all time and it's got nothing to do with the quality of wrestling um when uh the giant at the time is interviewed backstage by mean gene he just shouts into the mic um he's um, referring to hulk hogan he goes roses are red violets are blue i'm gonna kick your butt to tiramisu (laughs) that's a dessert yeah right (laughs) doesn't make make any sense sense. (laughs) i think he meant to say he was probably supposed to say timbuktu right but um panicked <laughs> and ended up with tiramisu. I like tiramisu, <laughs> because he he's got food on the brain all the time i've got this image of big show after every wwe house show um just like raid raiding the nearest mcdonald's can you imagine being a mcdonald's employee and knowing wwe's in town and just knowing the big show is going to bash through the door <laughs> no matter what doesn't matter, <laughs> no matter what. big show's coming tonight <laughs> This show's coming. And he's like, give me 30 apple pies. <laughs> and just desperately wants... And, then, and like everyone's rushing around. And then he gets his wallet out. Like he's happy to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you take cash or card? Like, he's angry. Yeah, he's angry at himself for needing 30 apple pies. It's <laughs> a brilliant image in my head right now. Um, I didn't know this, but apparently he's suffered from the... Say, I can't pronounce it. Acro Majali. Um, yes, what, essentially giantism. Yeah, so it, that's what killed Andre, but Show uh, got medical treatment for it and is fine today. So I never yeah. knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude was like seven foot tall when he was 14 years old. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, he he's the giant. Yeah, but that's when, but like, they he basically, he would have kept growing, but they um, capped it there and got the medical treatment to stop him. Uh, but that's, he's already pretty big. <laughs> and. Um, and the dude, the dude could do moonsaults in his early days and stuff. There's not much footage of it, but he could. And until he was quite rightfully told, "Why are you doing that? Yeah. You, you don't. <laughs> you're fucking seven foot two. You don't need to do shit like that. You're imposing enough." And it's true. And yeah, the guy works hard. He puts on good matches. Um, he's a good interview. He see, he seems like a genuinely nice man. Oh, hundred percent. Really, really yeah. nice man. And he's like, someone... I really liked his. Um, you know when Stone Cold was doing the Stone Cold podcasts on the network yeah the one with Big Show is lovely yeah he just seems like a nice guy to chat to mm. Mm. and he gets all emotional when a picture of his dad goes on the screen not Andre the Giant um you <laughs> <laughs> want a peanut um <laughs> he's just like yeah and he's a guy that cries all the time he's in the Ric Flair yeah. family he is and um yeah it's very sweet and can you imagine just just imagine being that big like just traveling yeah well i remember watching like a confidential where they showed his like mobile home that he he travels in because he can't be bothered to fly and even that's too small for him right yeah yeah yeah. it's crazy but surely on occasion he must have to fly and stuff like like and even first class would be cramped do you know what i mean yeah be an absolute nightmare I, i i would not be into it what a miserable life. I feel like we also have to uh, acknowledge his acting chops, most famously the water boy. <laughs> yeah, um Captain Insano in the Water Boy. Captain, Captain Absolutely Insano. amazing. <laughs> Shows no mercy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what are you kid for? Uh, <laughs> I am thirty one years old. 
That's it, we're nearly 31 years old. Oh, and I'm going to phone a big as, show. Yeah, that's it. Do you remember when we were laughing at the water boy? Go, hi, he's 31 years old and he's a massive wrestling fan. It's like, mate, we're headed that way. We're really close to that. Oh. Um, yeah, that was good. He was in The Longest Yard. That was good time. Jingle all the way. Jingle all the way. Um, there was one WWE film where he essentially played a special needs man child. Do you remember this? Brilliant. Uh, knucklehead? Yes! Knucklehead! <laughs> Check out the... Um, the artwork. Can, can we, Jesus. Yeah, can, can we use the artwork well, for something? Yeah, obviously we were going to use King Kong Bundy for the actual artwork, but I'll find a way to, yeah, to, yeah, to yeah. get this in, don't you worry. Yeah, good. Um, I've just typed in Knucklehead with no context. Turns out it's a type of motorbike. Uh, the film has received generally negative yeah. reviews. Half a star <laughs> out of five. A description for Brilliant. both the film and anyone who chooses to be its audience. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty pretty bad. Ten um, percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That's that's um, beautiful. That's uh, and uh, his most recent credit was in Fighting with My Family. He makes a. Uh, oh, was was he in he that? Did yeah, him and Seamus argue over a hot dog? Nice. You saw it and enjoyed it. I did. I I was so adamantly against that movie of how shit the promo looked. And then yeah. I was sitting there and I was like, this is one of the most beautiful British come together sports movies of all time. That's brilliant. I've I've never I I haven't seen it. Um I will though, based on that, and I've heard a few other people say that it's good because the, the adverts have done it no favours at all in my opinion. No, and you look at it on like Rotten Tomatoes and the buzz it's getting, it, it's it's done really well for itself. And Great. yeah, I'd, I'd recommend checking it out. Obviously, there's, there's the Hollywood aspect of it and that kind of stuff, but it seems really cool. I really want to check out the, the original documentary on it now. Nice. Yeah. So, those are our top five big men in wrestling in honor of our mascot, King Kong Bundy, Rip. Rip Bundy. Exactly. Uh, that was a show. <laughs> it was. That was a show that just happened. And it was fun. It was fun. It was fun. Hey, we had two crossovers. I was right. You were right. You... Uh, I don't know what you win. I was right. I win. Um, I, I just want your love. <laughs> Shall I talk to you tomorrow? Oh, no, I can't. Sorry. I'll talk to you the next Why? day. Why? What the... F- oh, for fuck's sake. Well, you, um, okay, so I, I'm allowed to send you loads of messages tomorrow. And you have to respond and react to every single one when you get out of work. I'm at this event tomorrow and I'm going to be like on camera doing stuff and I'm, you're just going to see my face twinging as my phone buzzes constantly. Look at Sonic the Hedgehog. Look at Sonic. Look at, yeah, yeah, I sent you a picture of um, they've released what Sonic the Hedgehog's going to look like in the upcoming live action film and it's a fucking abortion. Looks terrible. Yeah, that's a better word. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Compared to like what they've done with Pikachu and Pokemon, yeah. How can you mess oh, up that detective, badly? Yeah, Detective Pikachu on the other hand looks fucking dope. Mate, we need to get behind this film. And it we're doing out. a whole episode on. I don't know how. No. Hey, we could do. Um, you know, we want to like do more podcasts and stuff. Yeah. Let's do a Pokemon podcast. Okay. Let's review. Let's start from the start of the anime, and every week we'll review an episode and just go through I it. I gotta tell you, there's an episode in Pokemon Sun and Moon that gets too real. Really? It deals with, like, Pokemon dying for the first time. Wow. Well, if we um, start this podcast next week, we'll be hitting that episode when we're about 64 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot wait for that. <laughs> right. Let's end this 
fast of a show. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you so much for Mitch Smith for for being on the, this episode. My apologies. Um, <laughs> we'll be back in two weeks with a short form episode, so no interview, just uh, top five between us. We'll be out of there in like forty five minutes, and we can get on with our lives. Love it. Uh, where could people find our shit, Jesse? Got till five dot com. Hey, I went on oh, before we go. I went on that website for the first time in ages. Um, just today, just to have a look. And um, I went on it, and it's got a picture of you and me as the hosts, like on the home page, yeah. either side. The pictures you've chosen of us make us look like gay icons. That's kind of what I'm going for. <laughs> there's like you, stare- well, there's me staring off in the distance with a t-shirt on that I know now is too tight. And um, a picture of you in a black leather jacket looking like a village person. Yeah. I want to tap that okay. gay market, bro. Okay, well, no, as long as that's what you go. It for. really does. Like, I looked at the pictures and it's just like us looking off in the distance. Like, we don't care. It's just so douchey. But it's like the best so- pictures of us. Yeah, but it's so not what we we are. Like, you see a picture, those pictures, and you think, "Oh, this is going to be a very hipster, trendy podcast." And then you listen; it's like all about Count Ducula. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I like throwing in the curveballs for the people. That's what we like to do. Uh, yeah, yeah, go go tell us what you think of our pretty pictures, <laughs> and whether <laughs> if you're a male, if it woke anything in you, please send us a message at got till five. Yeah, I'd like to meet you. Uh, buy Calling Spots because we're in it and it's cool and it's a really yes, good magazine. Yes, Calling Spots. It is a very good magazine and we've got an advert in it again. But there's an amazing article about Becky Lynch in there and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, yeah, really good shit. Me and Jesse will be back in two weeks' time, as we said, with a short form episode. Keep your eyes peeled on the Twitter for what that's going to be about. Hope you enjoyed this episode. God help you if you did. And uh, we will speak to you soon. Love you. Goodbye. Hope no one else dies in the next two weeks. Oh, God, if they do, uh, that's going to be bad. Love you. Bye.